you this morning. Um, we thank you for, for the love that you've shown us by giving your life, by being uh, the one who stood in our place when we, when we were the ones that were condemned. And Lord, it's a debt we can never repay, but thankfully, all that you ask is that we put our faith and our trust in you. And so we rejoice this morning for serving such a, a merciful and gracious God that looks upon his people and, and looks on them with love, the love of a father that, that we can't explain, we can't understand, but we just know and we feel that it is true. Lord, this morning, I want to I wanna thank you um, for, for those that have been giving of their, their lives um, to the mission field internationally. And um, Lord, right now, we want to, to really think about those that are, that are serving in the Spanish-speaking um, parts of the world and ministering to our Hispanic culture, Lord. I just pray that you would, that you would continue to call people and that they would be, would be obedient to your call, Lord. You may, you may be right now calling someone in this room, preparing their heart to serve either locally um, or internationally, Lord. But just, just continue, we beg of you, to, to work in our lives. Don't give up on us. And uh, we just, just thank you for those that are, are willing and able to do that. Lord, we thank you for those that support financially because um, we know that, that your work, it costs cost somebody something and um, so we're just grateful for everyone who gives gives gratefully with a cheerful heart Lord Lord we we're just so overwhelmed with your love and we thank you for Jesus and it's in his holy name that we pray amen 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 going to children's church K through 5 now's the time exit yonder with these wonderful folks <laughs> uh, as we get into this the get ready for the message today we'll be in Romans chapter 10 um, so I just want to explain a couple things as, you, as you're getting there not not to spend too much time on this but um, as, as Southern Baptist I mentioned uh, acronym earlier. You may not know what I was talking about. So at Southern Baptist, we have we have three cooperative missional entities that make us Southern Baptist. The reason that we're Southern Baptist or what we do as Southern Baptist is we cooperate with other Southern Baptist churches. We willfully, willingly uh, pull our money together for missional efforts. So we have the state convention, which does that for the state of Arkansas. Uh, and then we have the North American Mission Board, which does that for obviously North America. And then we have the IMB, the International Mission Board, uh, which does that, sends out missionaries through Southern Baptist churches all over the world. So uh, this is actually Dixie Jackson emphasis time uh, right now in the state of Arkansas, which is a special offering that Southern Baptist churches give to, uh, to, to, to make a little extra emphasis for the state of Arkansas. We actually give to that all year round, um, so we don't take up a special offering for that, but you're always welcome to give to any of those, any of those special entities, um, and Jessica handles that. So... Just wanted to mention that because I know we have a lot of new people that are coming in from, from different backgrounds and don't always actually know what, what takes place in the Southern Baptist world. So that's kind of that's what sets us apart 
um, from, from a lot of other denominations is our ability to cooperate and our willingness to cooperate together and uh, get a lot done when we all work together. So it's pretty cool. So we're starting uh, uh, an easy sermon series, as you can see. I'm not going to talk about anything hard. I'm not going to talk about anything controversial um, because, you know, I like to just stay easy. And you know, it's kind of like our, our lunch, learn, pray that we do on Wednesdays. We start with Romans, which is like, whew, it's like theology 501. I don't even know. And uh, Bob McCool was asking me the other day because we're almost done with it. In a couple of months, we'll be done. He said, <laughs> he said uh, where are we going next? I said, ah, I figured we'd take something easy like Revelation. Maybe go there. That's kind of what this sermon series feels. We're, we're going to hit on some things that are going to make us uncomfortable. We're going to hit on some things that are not easy to talk about. They're not easy subjects, but they are real, prevalent subjects that we deal with on a daily basis. And we can't just stick our head in the sand and pretend like they don't exist. Uh, if the church isn't speaking on it, the world certainly is. And so we need, to, we need to be speaking on the hard issues of the day in the church. So that's kind of where we're coming from today and uh, as, as we move forward. So, And we'll be, be here at least... At least six weeks, unless you fire me before then, um, because of this sermon series, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Wilson Bentley, this is a picture of this beautiful man, Wilson Bentley. He was born, that's sarcasm. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure we're awake today. We stayed up watching Colorado and Colorado State, maybe. Uh, He was born in 1865. He was a farmer by trade, but he got interested uh, in photography and specifically in micro photography. And he was the first person to successfully uh, photograph a snowflake, a single snowflake. You've probably seen his pictures and not realized that they were his pictures. He ended up taking uh, over 5,000 snow crystal photographs in the late 1800s, which was a time where it was hard to do that and expensive to do that. Uh, his photo micrographs uh, were, were acquired by higher institutes of higher learning all over the world. Uh, his writings on these subjects were published in many journals and magazines, including the Scientific American, National Geographic, the National Weather Service. Uh, he had a huge effect on meteorology because of the study that he did. Uh, and in November of 1931, his book, Snow Crystals, was published. It's still in print today. He died shortly after that, the next month in December. Um, and he died at the family farmhouse there in Jericho, Vermont, Vermont, where he was from, uh, where he lived his entire life. But because of his uh, wonderful work with snow crystals, he became affectionately known as Snowflake Bentley, and because of these, these photographs. And it just, it just it blows my mind when you, when you think about this, right? Because he, he was the one that, that, sh- that let us all know that every single snowflake is different. It's different than the other one. And, and that's mind-boggling to me because it's the same thing. Every snowflake is water. It, it's chemically the same. It's H2O. It's the same molecular structure. Every snowflake is all made out of water. It's the same thing. Yet each individual snowflake is unique in how it looks to every other single snowflake. You know, out, out of universe, out of u- unity, diversity. It's the same thing, but it's all a little bit different. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and it reminds me of us. And I, I think... I think God created things like that to remind us of what he did through us. I mean, if you go back to the very beginning, right, Genesis 1, in the creation account, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. For all the non-Trinitarians out there, deal with that verse. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps 
on the earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We're made in the image of God. We're all made from the, from the same stuff, from the same actual person. And, and what's cool is, it, it's neat how science just continues to prove that God has done this and that God is who he says he is. You know, about 20 years ago, they finished the, the DNA uh, project. Um, I don't know if you know, the human genome project, they call it, where they, where they mapped out the, the entire human gene as it works in our body. It's, it's hard for, to talk about. It's so complicated. Uh, but at the same time, it's so simple. There's four nucleotides that make up our DNA. Uh, adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine, AGCT. Each cell in the body, each cell in your body uh, contains about 3.2 billion nucleotide pairs of this, of this DNA code. And your body contains about 20,000 to 25,000 genes that are complicated versions of this code. Um, the human genome contains about 3.2 billion letters of the DNA code. About 0.5% of that is about 16 million letters. Now, why does that matter? Because when they did this, they mapped it out, and 99.5% of human beings, genetically speaking, the DNA speaking, is exactly the same. 99.5% of the very basic building blocks of what it is that makes us be who we are, how God created us in his image, is the same. About 0.5% of that is, is where we get our variability, variability in our looks and, and all those types of things. But when there's 3.2 billion letters that make that up, 0.5% is 16 million letters. The code has four letters. And so the number of possible combinations is four raised to the power of 10 to the 16th. Now, you may not be a mathematician, but that's a big number. Okay? I don't know if you paid attention when you were doing scientific notation in, in school or not, but that's a, that's a really large number. But there's a lot of things that makes us individualistic as human beings, right? We know these things. Like, we all have these things, but they're all different. Our fingerprints and our toe prints. You never thought about your toes, but it's, that's that too. They're all individually different. We all have faces that have similar features, uh, but they're not identical, even with identical twins, right? They're a little bit different. They're not exactly the same. We all have ears, but they're all unique, Okay? This is because the human ear develops from six tiny bumps that appear on the side of our head around five weeks after conception and then gradually fuse while the genes map out the general shape, the environment in the uterus uh, and how the fetus lies. All these things affect how the ears turn out. Uh, once formed, they hardly change shape uh, as we and the ears continue to grow and continue to age. Do you know your ears grow your entire life? That's weird, but they do. I, we go on and on. I mean, you know me. I could nerd out on this for 20 more minutes, but I won't. Right? Eyes, voice, scent, heartbeat. We all have them. They're all different. Brain waves, microbiome. We have 1.5 kilograms estimated average. 1.5 kilograms of bacteria on us and in us at all time. And that every single one of our microbiomes are a little bit different. It's crazy. Here's that number. That's a big number. I don't even know the words for that number. I'd just be making them up if I did. It's a lot. Okay? You, you, can, figure about, you can figure that out later and tell us. Now, scientists asked, even, and, and the most liberal of scientists, I mean, like if you said we've been here for a gajillion years and all that, if you, like the most liberal 
highest estimate you can find out there in the scientific community is that 117 billion humans have lived in the history of humanity. Okay? Now that sounds like a lot until you put it up against a number like that. When you put them side by side, it, it just dwarfs it. When you do the math of it, uh, that means that you could take all humans that have ever lived ever in the history of humanity and create all 117 billion of them nearly 350,000 more times. It, it, it means that, it means that, you could say it like this, 99.9% of the human beings that could genetically exist have not existed yet. That's, you don't think you matter to God? 90, you're part of the 0.1% that's ever lived in the history of ever. We talked about that a few weeks ago. I told you the number was astronomical. 99.9% .9 of the possible humans that could have lived or that can live that if we, if we kept making humans forever haven't lived yet. It's crazy. What are you talking about, preacher? I don't know. I'm just rambling. But maybe you'll follow me. Let's get to Romans. Keep all that in mind. That's all I'm saying. Now the scripture says, this is Paul talking to the church at Romans, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I knew I'd get an amen out of you, Forrest. I knew it, baby. But more than one, that's what we're talking about. Hey, it's going to be a good day. We're getting multiple amens already. It's going to be a good day. I'll try not, y'all know that fires me up, but I'll try to keep it. I'm looking at the clock right now. Uh, so here at this church, we talk about the gospel a lot. We talk a lot about the gospel, sharing the gospel, believing the gospel, being saved by the gospel. What is the gospel? Why are we so concerned with the gospel? The word gospel just means good news. You're sharing good news about something. But specifically, scripturally speaking, what is the gospel? Right before where we pick this up here today, Paul has just laid it out in a few verses uh, right, right before where we started. And it's about as clearly as anyone's ever put it, to be perfectly honest. So if you'll back up just a couple of verses, you can read this with me. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. There it is. Paul's saying, here is the gospel. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be saved. You will be saved. Verse 10, one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. He's using a, he's using a literary technique. Confess, believe, believe, confess. A, B, B, A. Miss Gray taught me that. Most hymns have a, have a pattern like that, right? A, 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 B, or A, A, B, B, A. It's, it's, it's repeating so you can remember it. Repetition for memory and understanding's sake. They are one and the same. To confess is to believe. To believe is to confess. If you're just saying words but you don't believe it, then you're not confessing. You're just saying words. Confession is saying something that you believe. It's the same thing. Confess, believe, believe, confess. Confess what? That Jesus is Lord. Now, that Greek word there for Jesus is Lord is kurios. It's the same word in the Greek used for Yahweh. God's personal name. It says, this is saying, confess that Jesus is God. He's the one true, covenantal, all-powerful creator, God of Israel. He is him. He is the I am. Jesus is it all. We had such a great discussion about this uh, a few weeks back or a couple months back, actually. These verses in our Lunch, Learn, Pray. This, we've been going through Romans since the beginning of the year, um, and it's awesome. If you, if you have the ability to come on Wednesdays at 11, we dig in deep. We share real talk, and during that hour, it's great. You do yourself well to be there. 
But he says, confess that Jesus is Lord. It's a belief. It's a confession. It's salvation by grace through faith alone. That's what the gospel is. And then in verse 11, after saying that, then Paul is saying where we picked up today. Now the scripture says. So he's saying it in light of what he's just said about the gospel. Now the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. A couple of key words we want to focus on here. A couple of things. First is, now the scriptures says. Now the scripture says. God's word speaks. God's word speaks and we obey. Our preferences and our opinions are not a factor when it comes to God's word. The scripture says, Paul tells us, and he begins quoting scripture, Old Testament scripture, what, what they had as canonical scripture at the time. He's quoting from Isaiah 28 here when he, when he says this, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Now, it's really cool to me, and I know I'm a nerd, and I know I like history more than 95% of you, but it's really cool when you, when you put this in historical terms. Paul wrote this letter to the Roman church about, about 58 A.D., the spring of 58 A.D., which is nearly 2,000 years ago. And he quotes Isaiah, which is written uh, in the 600s B.C. That's, that's more than 600 years before Jesus ever drew a breath, before Jesus ever shed the first drop of blood to atone for mankind's sin. He's quoting something that's been around that long. He quotes and he says... Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Again, focus on a couple of things here. This, this, this word, everyone, in the Greek is pos. It means each. It means every. It means all. It means the whole. It means everyone. It means all things. It means everything. Say it with me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Everyone. Everyone. But not just anyone, everyone who does something, right? Not just anybody that's ever lived is saved. Everyone who does something, everyone who believes on him. What do you have to do? What do I have to do? Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Will not be put to shame. Kete uh, shkuno. Practice that all week, still can't say it. Kete shkuno is the Greek word. It's that that. Be put to shame, that phrase is one word in the Greek, and then the negative participle is put in front of it to say, not be put to shame, to dishonor, to disgrace, to put to shame, to make ashamed. And then you put the negative in front of it, so you don't do that. So, so by God Almighty, everyone who believes on him will not be dishonored. They will not be disgraced. They will not be put to shame. God will not put to shame anyone who believes on Jesus as Lord. So, what in the world, and I'm pausing to hoping some of you wake up, what in the world would ever give you the idea that you have the right to do that? That's the sound of uncomfortability. Verse 12, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. Paul then goes on to give the why behind the what. And he does this often. He's, God chose such a brilliant person to bring us the scriptures that we were going to need to live this life. This is what everyone who believes, this is what everyone who believes will not be put to shame. This is, this is, this is what this is for. This is the what. The what is 
everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. The why is because for all who believe, there is no distinction between any human. There is no human division of people in God's eyes. No, not one. The same Lord of all is rich to all. Say it again. All. Say it again. All who call on him. God doesn't see a distinction. You're either a sinner, saved by grace, through faith, or you're a sinner that's not yet saved by grace, through faith. But God wants us all to be in there. But once you're in the sinner saved by grace through faith alone, that's it. That's the last distinction there is. There is no separation after that. The same Lord is rich to all who call upon his name. Now, Paul, earlier in his letter, has said this. That is, God's righteousness through faith is Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. The exact same Greek phrase. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, in Romans 3, he's given the bad news. We're all sinners. Dirty, rotten, not anywhere near the glory of God sinners. There's no distinction between sinners. We can all be saved, whosoever will, call upon the name of the Lord. There's no distinction between sinners, so there's no distinction between the saved. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all, say it, one in Christ Jesus. Now, I know I've harped on this before, but I'm harping on it again today, so if you don't like it, get on the train. I don't know what else to tell you. Acts 17.26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face, all all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And he made from one man every nation one man every nation or every group of people don't think of nation as in national boundaries like we think of now nation just means group of people he made from one man every nation so if we all came from the same person that means we're all the same John 7 24 do not judge by appearances but judge with right judgment right judgment is righteous justice That's what right judgment is. In other words, it's in order to restore a relationship to right standing. That's the purpose of justice. A relationship is broken because of something. Like if you steal something from me, now I don't like you. And then that has to be justice or retribution so that relationship can be redeemed, can be placed back in the right standing. That's what righteous judgment is. It's not to condemn based on opinion or gossip or slander, or an outward appearance, as this verse says. That's not how we do it. We do it by real facts. Most of the time, we don't have the real facts. That's why God alone can judge and not us. Then Paul restates it again, but quoting a different scripture this time. At the end of where we started today, he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He started with that. He finishes with that in this little section right here. Now, I could have gone on and on and on and on with those verses I was just going through about us all being one in Christ. This is one of those times, if you notice, I changed the translation from the first time I read it to now. This is one of those times, man, that I just love the way the King James says it. It just doesn't get any better sometimes than the poetic language of 
the King James. Whosoever will. Anyone. Everyone. Whosoever. You may be sitting there like, yeah, preacher, got it. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Got it. Got it in like third grade Sunday school, bud. I know some of you are sitting there thinking that. I thought you said we were going to talk about real talk, tackling hard issues. And here we are having Sunday school talk. Matter of fact, you never even really said what we were tagging our time together today. No title. Not sure there's been a point yet, preacher. Do you have a point, preacher? Some of y'all are caught up now. Y'all didn't know I knew you were thinking that, did you? Okay, here we go. Let's get to the point for today. You ready? You got to participate to help me today. You got to participate. Doesn't work if you don't do it. Ready? Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. It's not a close your eyes and don't look around so we can raise our hand because we want to be saved. That's not what this is. So you got to close your eyes or it's not going to work. Close your eyes and I want you to picture it. Picture whosoever calling upon the name of the Lord. I want you to picture it. I want you to smell where you are. Can you hear the sounds of where you are? Eyes closed, please. Imagine with me. Whosoever. Picture it. They're calling out. Calling on the name of the Lord. One. Ten. Hundreds. Thousands. Calling out on the name of the Lord. Being saved. A mass movement. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you smell the sweet smell of worship and salvation? And Jesus being proclaimed as the Lord of Lords. You got it? Do you have that picture in your mind? Now, how many of the whosoever you have pictured in your head right now look different than you? How many of them speak a language other than English? How, how many of them that you just saw getting saved in your mind, how many don't look like you, don't sound like you, don't dress like you, don't live like you? Open your eyes. Some of you today, and I say a very few minority, but I guarantee you some of you today had a problem with us singing a song in Spanish. So some of you today think there's something wrong with that. You're wrong. I don't know how else to say that other than you're wrong. There's no distinction to Jesus for those who call upon his name. Jesus' name can be called on for salvation in English, in Spanish, in Dutch, in Chinese, in Swahili. Matter of fact, it was in several languages before it even got to English. And whatever that is inside of you and me that sees someone else and immediately categorizes them as better or worse than ourselves based on outward appearance, ethnic traits, whatever that is, is wrong. It's sinful, it's harmful, it's evil. Even when you just kind of joke about it. Well, you know, they're a 
fill in the blank of whatever there is. And you say the word that you wouldn't really say around everybody, but you say it sometimes around just your buddies, and you think it's okay to call somebody this or to call somebody that when you're around people who kind of agree with you. Whatever that is, it's wrong. It's evil. It's, it's an expression of a sinful heart because Jesus says there is no distinction in his eyes. So what's the hard topic? It's simple. Racism is wrong. Sexism is wrong. Xenophobia, which is just being scared of foreigners, is wrong. Following Jesus is for whosoever will. And I know many of you love that verse, and so do I. But we got to live like we believe that verse and not just talk about it. Not whosoever will as long as they look like, talk like, sound like, dress like, live like, think like, like what I like like. That's not the whosoever. That's whosoever I want to follow Jesus. But Jesus died on the cross so that whosoever would call upon his name would know him as Lord and Savior. Think about this. Revelation 7. This is Revelation 7. And they cried out in a loud voice. They cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. John, John getting a vision, a holy God-inspired vision of what end of times in heaven is going to look like. It's a revelation of who Jesus Christ is finally and forever. And there's a group of people crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God. Now, back up a verse from that. Who is they crying out in a loud voice? After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were robed in white with palm branches, a sign of victory in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And I think they were calling out in their native tongue, personally. You want to know what I think? This is personal opinion. So if you don't like this, you're free to not like it. But if it's from the scripture, you just got to deal with it. But this is just Daniel's personal opinion because I think about things and I'm weird and I'm strange and I've always admitted that to you. If you hadn't caught on you will one day. This is my personal opinion. Meditating on scripture I just thought about this. I just picture it. David Platt preached on, on this section at our conference a couple weeks ago. It blew my mind. It was unbelievable and I cannot stop thinking about the things that he said about the heavenly song. The heavenly song of all the nations and all the people and all the tribes and all the languages. I can't stop thinking about it. And here's what I think. I believe that when we sing that heavenly song, when that heavenly song is sang, and all the tongues of mankind are singing it together at one time in perfect heavenly harmony and rhythm, that it will simultaneously create the sound of the language of God. That's my personal opinion. And you can take that for what it is or what is, what, whatever. If you don't like it, dismiss it. But I'm just telling you, I can picture it. I can picture, and I don't know if it's because we went to Mexico and we, and we had dual language, dual language services and, it, and, and the worship in, in two different languages at the same time. It was unbelievable how clear it was. I just, I don't know why, but I can't get this out of my mind. And I can just hear all the languages of the world being sung at the same time and crying out this, salvation belongs to our God. And I truly believe it's going to come together in one sound, in one harmony, in one rhythm at the same time. And it's going to create an entirely 
new to us language that we instantly understand. Instantly understand deep in our gut and our bones because it's the language of God that just, that's been calling us this whole time. And I just, I get chills. I can't wait for it. But David Platt said something that I posted on social. You may have already seen it. Are we willing to do what it takes so that every nation can be part of the heavenly song? Or are we just satisfied with those that it's easy to reach? I, I don't know where you're at on that. I pray, if you resist that, that God would rip your heart wide open and change you, transform you, so that we desire to have hearts and to live lives that call out and say we truly believe that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, shall be saved. And we actually want that to take place. And I don't mean just race. I mean any division. I don't, whatever, however Satan tries to divide us, knock those barriers down. God said whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Following Jesus is for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Here it is. You weren't there when he placed the stars and moon. You weren't there when he set the boundaries of the sea. You weren't, you weren't, you didn't hang on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for all mankind's sin. You don't have nail-scarred hands from a cross on Calvary, and you didn't rise on the third day from the dead. So you don't get to decide who can or cannot follow Jesus. Because Jesus says, it's whosoever will. Whosoever will confess, believe, believe, confess, call on Jesus as Lord and Savior. Whosoever will. If you haven't ever done that, call on your Lord and Savior today. Begin living for Him today. Come down here during this last song so that we can celebrate your decision to place your faith in Christ today. There's not a better thing you could do. And I don't know about everybody in here, because I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you this guy wants anybody who wants to place their faith in Christ to make today the day of salvation. Period. End of sentence. Whosoever will. Father, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you that, Lord, thank you that you died for a sinner like me. Lord, amazing grace. How could you die for a wretch like me? I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your mercy. None of us do, Lord. So, so take us off our high horse. Knock us off the judge's seat. We'd never say that someone can't follow Jesus, God, but will you, will you knock us off that, that seat of our heart where we, where we make others feel that way? Where we, where we have a mind that says, I'm better than so-and-so because, because of how they look or how they talk or how they act or how much money they have or whatever else it is whatever category it is that we that we try to place our security in God would you take that away it's wrong God it's evil and it's sinful and you've called us to live new a newness of life God give us that heart please would you would you change us so that we walk out of here change forevermore today God with a kingdom mindset that just transforms this community like it's like something that's never been seen in history, God. Use us to be part of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand.